Let's take our Bibles and turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter 16. Genesis chapter 16, and we want to look at the trouble with Hagar. Genesis chapter 16. It's amazing the depths to which God's own people sometimes can sink. But here we have Abram, a man who is following God by faith. He has believed God enough to leave his homeland and his family behind. He has trusted God through the battles and the trials that would have made many men turn around and defeat and return on home. And yet, for all his faith and his good deeds, he's still human. And he still is made of sinful flesh. Uh, There's still within him that pull towards the world and all of its allurements. Now, we all know, I think, uh, if we are familiar with Genesis or Uh, the Bible in in any way, what this passage is about. When we mention the name Hagar, of course, Sarai and Abram tried to help God to give them the son by having Abram take Sarai's maidservant, Hagar, as his wife. And of course, this was never God's will uh, for their lives. But as with us, this did not stop them from rushing headlong into it anyway. Their decision brought with it far-reaching consequences for them and also for our world today. Notice, first of all, the reasons for the trouble. The reasons for the trouble. Look at verse 1 of chapter 16. Now Sarai, Abram's wife, bare him no children, and she had a handmaid, an Egyptian, whose name was Hagar. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold now, the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go into my maid, unto my maid. It may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarai. And Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt ten years in the land of Canaan, and gave her to husband Abram to be his wife. And he went in unto Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Now, while all the reasons behind the uh, situation are far too many to mention, there are three particular reasons that I want to point out this afternoon that are important to mention. First of all, the acceptance that they were desiring the acceptance that they were desiring. You know, many times, and we find ourselves in this kind of a situation as well, we hate to be odd. We hate to be uh, not accepted. We hate to be uh, someone that everybody kind of looks down upon or uh, doesn't appreciate. Uh, And in that society, it was considered a disgrace for a couple to be childless. In our day, many couples choose that lifestyle for themselves, and if they choose that, I guess uh, that's their choice. Uh, Others have the choice forced upon them by physical reasons. 
in Abram's day, regardless of the reasons behind it, if a couple had no children, uh, they were mocked. They were looked down on and largely were not accepted in society. Uh, this was a society that also thought nothing about multiple marriages. This was uh, the culture of that day. Uh, if a man like Abram were to take Hagar as a concubine or a secondary wife, no one around them would think a thing of it. Now that doesn't necessarily make it right or that God approved of it. It's the fact that that's the way the culture was. Uh, again, just because the culture is a certain way doesn't mean it's right or that it's uh, something that we need to do. We can't just say, well, everybody else is doing it. That's not a good excuse. That's not a good reason. If uh, that concubine or that sec secondary wife were to bear a child, it would be considered to be a child of the first or the primary wife. And in this way, Sarai thought that uh, she could get a child that she desired, and then she would be accepted in the community. Now, God's children are often guilty of lowering their standards of those of, to, the, to those of a community around them in order to fit in better. And we, it's very easy to do this. Uh, it's better, though, to please God and to be rejected by men than, uh, than to please men and be rejected by God. There must be a clear line of demarcation between people of the Lord and the world around them. And I think that's one thing that many, many Christians have forgotten in the day in which we live. Many, many Christians, we can see their lives and there really doesn't seem to be any difference between their life and their neighbor's wife who is un life, uh, lives who are unsaved and uh, have no tendencies toward God. I think many churches are falling into that trap as well today. Many churches are accepting the ways of the world, the entertainment of the world, and there's no difference in their uh, situation than uh, that of the world. There needs to be a difference. And so they were trying to be accepted. That was their desire. Now the second thing we notice here, the second reason, is the baggage they were dragging. The baggage they were dragging. The Bible tells us that Hagar was an Egyptian. She's part of the possessions, or baggage if you please, that Abram brought back with him from his sinful journey into Egypt. It was not God's will for Abraham to go into Egypt. Uh, had he never journeyed into that country, there had, would never have been a Hagar to marry. And so he's still reaping the harvest that he sowed in Egypt. You never go into sin and come out of it clean. There's always some reminder. There's always consequences. There's some evidence that you were there. Again, that's the law of sowing and reaping. So we have the acceptance that they were desiring, the baggage they were dragging, and then thirdly, a third reason, is the promises they were doubting. Now back in chapter 15, in verses 1 through 6, it tells us the story of God's great promise to Abram. Uh, when the promise was given, Abram reacted in faith, but as time goes by, Abram has begun to doubt. And he, along with Sarai, uh, decide 
that God needs to help in fulfilling his promise. God needs some help. How many times have we felt like, you know, we've been praying for something and we want something to come to pass and we said, you know, God's not giving us that, so I'm just going to help God out a little bit. And it may be not God's will for us at that time at all. After all, God only said that Abram would father a son. He didn't say by whom he would father that son. Now, it's my conviction that doubt toward the word and the promises of the Lord accounts for more of our troubles than anything, any other single thing. When we begin to doubt God's word, we begin to say, well, is that really what God means here? Is that really what God said? It's the same thing that happened to Eve uh, when she was tempted by uh, the serpent. Is that really what God say? You know, we can read what he has promised us, but when the promise isn't fulfilled immediately, we begin to doubt. And we try to find a way to make it happen ourselves. Now, when we uh, do that, we are stepping out of God's will. When will we ever learn, first of all, that God always keeps his word? God always keeps his word. He will not lie. He will not go back on a promise. And we also need to learn that God is a God of order and that he doesn't run on our schedule. Men needed a Savior some 4,000 years before he came. But God sent Jesus in the fullness of times, as it tells us, uh, fullness of times, it tells us in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4. And God doesn't need our help to accomplish his will. And so there are these reasons for the trouble, the acceptance they were desiring, the baggage they were dragging, and the promises they were doubting. Now notice secondly in the passage here that the reactions to the trouble, the reactions. Verse 4 again says that, uh, let me start in verse 4, and he went in into Hagar, and she conceived, and when she saw that uh, she, that is Sarai, saw that Hagar had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. And Sarai said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee, and I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw it, that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. The Lord judged between me and thee. And Abram said unto Sarai, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand. Do to her as it pleaseth thee. And when Sarai dealt hardly with her, she fled from her face. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness, by the fountain in the way of Shur. And she said, Hagar, Sarai's maid, whence camest thou, and whither wilt thou go? And she said, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarai. And an angel, the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. All three of the participants here uh, in this particular situation, Abram, Sarai, and Hagar, react differently to this situation. All three reacted differently, but it's worthy to note that all three acted badly. By the way, when sin and problems, or any problem from any source for that matter, arrive in our, arrives in our lives, most people, and even most of us here in this room, 
will react in one of three ways, which I'm about to share with you. Most of us will react in one of three ways. Number one, Abram reacted by being unaccountable. Unaccountable. In verse 6, Abram says to Sarah, Behold, thy maid is in thy hand, do to her as it pleaseth thee. He tried to pretend, hey, there's no problem here, and that uh, if there is a problem, then you deal with it, Sarah. He just ignored his responsibility in the whole situation. And many people will try to deal with their problems by simply ignoring them. You know, if I ignore it, maybe it'll go away like it never happened. It's never going to work. Left unsettled, small problems grow into bigger ones in a very short time. I think about 2 Samuel chapter 13 when David ignored the problem of Amnon and Tamar and the problem grew until Absalom took matters into his own hands and killed his brother. And therefore, whether it be a problem in the home or on the job or in a community or at school or in a church, it must be confronted and dealt with or it will get out of hand. Just ask Abram. Abram reacted by being unaccountable. There's a second reaction here, and that's Sarai's reaction. Sarai reacted by being unreasonable. Verse 5, Sarai was miserable because of the pride and the haughtiness of Hagar, so she tried to make everyone else around her miserable too. Does that sound familiar? You know, uh, if I'm miserable, then you're going to be miserable. Uh, she tried to blame Abram for the problem. She tried to blame Hagar for the problem. She even dragged God into the problem. I think she's an example of if mama ain't happy, nobody's happy. Well, there are, two, are many who approach problems of life with a very similar attitude. If they are unhappy, well, let's get some company on this unhappiness. Let's make other people unhappy too. They want everyone else around them to be unhappy. Uh, so they get grouchy and mean-spirited, short-tempered, and become hard to get along with. Lest we forget, this is not a Christ-like response to trouble and to problems. God would have us to learn to handle the problems of life without attaching others or attempting to make others miserable as we are. And so she's unreasonable here. Abram was unaccountable. Sarai is unreasonable. Thirdly, Hagar reacted by being unavailable. Hagar decided that the answer to her problems was flight. She would just pack everything up and get away from the problem. I tried that once. As a little boy, my brother used to beat on me. He's six years older than I was, and I was his punching bag. So one day I said, I'm just leaving. I'm going to run away from home. I got on my bike and I started pedaling down the road. I got about maybe a quarter or a half mile down the road and I said, you know what? I didn't bring any clothes. I didn't bring any food. What am I going to do now? Where am I going to go? I turned around and went back home. 
thankfully, my brother was not mad at me anymore or whatever, but uh, I got home. But, you know, many times that's what we do. We just say, we got a problem, I'm just going to leave. I'm going to pack up and I'm going to get away from it. That's probably the most common response of all of these. Uh, it happens even in churches. When problems arise, people don't seek a solution, they seek a new church. When problems arise on the job, people don't fix it, they, oh, I'm going to go find a new job. When problems crop up in a marriage, they don't work out, I'm going to find me a new mate. Take, for instance, the giants of Canaan and the children of Israel. They ran from them the first time, but before their descendants could claim the land, they had to face them. Uh, they had to be faced and they had to be defeated. I would also call your attention to the fact that God sent Hagar back to the family. You see that in verse 9. That's one of the things we read here. Angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress and submit thyself under her hands. He did this for several reasons. But among them is the fact that God intended to use this situation to help each of these three people learn to face their problems his way. Abram had to face it. Sarai had to face it or deal with it. Uh, Hagar had to live with it. God's business isn't to make you happy. He wants to make you holy. Let me repeat that. God's business is not to make you happy. He wants to make you holy. Forcing you to face your problems is one way of accomplishing that. So we find the reasons of the trouble, we find the reactions to the trouble, and then thirdly, the results of the trouble. Beginning in verse 10, it says, And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction, and he will be a wild man. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. And she called the name of the Lord that spake unto her, Thou God seest me, for she said, Have I also here looked after him that seeth me? Wherefore the well was called Birala Ai Roy. Behold, it is between Kadesh and Barad. And Hagar bare Abram a son, and Abraham, or Abram called his son's name, which Agar bare Ishmael. And Abram was fourscore and six years old when Hagar bare Ishmael to Abram. Proverbs chapter 13 and verse 15 says, Good understanding giveth favor, but the way of transgressors is hard. We also read in Numbers 32 and verse 33, Be sure your sin will find you out. I think these and many, many other verses would remind us of the sad truth that sin brings with it troubles and trials. The situation before us here is no different. Notice, first of all, a difficult son was born. A difficult son was born. Ishmael is called a wild man. Now, there are many parents who seem to just be determined to raise their own wild men 
through the lack of standards and discipline in the home. Even though their children are out of control, they apply no standards or no discipline. And this son would be difficult to handle and would be aggressive towards others, it's told, we're told here. Ishmael represents the difficulties that arise when sin is allowed to divert us from the path that God has for our lives. Remember, sin brings its own club. Ishmael is a picture of that truth. What might your sin give birth to in your life? We need to remember here the principle of sowing and reaping. And so, first of all, we find a difficult son was born. (coughs) Secondly, a dysfunctional family was burdened. If we go ahead a little bit to Genesis chapter 21 and get a little sneak preview of that chapter before we get there. We find in verse 9 through 11 it says, And Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptians, which she had borne unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the, the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even with Isaac. And the thing was very grievous to Abraham's sight because of his son. As Ishmael grew, the tensions surrounding him would grow as well. In other words, the sin of Abram and Sarai, even after many years, still brought heartache and trouble into that home. And I would just remind you that many times our sins, no matter how small and insignificant we may think they are, they affect us and they affect those around us. They poison our spirit. They sabotage our families. They hinder our walk with God. Many families, I believe today, are burdened with so-called hidden sins of those in that family. And the answer to sin is to drag it into the light. Sin cannot live when it is brought out of the darkness into the marvelous light of the glory of God. And so we have here a difficult son is born, a dysfunctional family is burdened, and then thirdly, a divine plan was bolstered. A divine plan was bolstered. Verse 10 through 12 here, we find that even though uh, there was sin and it was accomplished by the will of man, it was going to be used for the glory of God. Those involved could not see how things would play out. They could not see what was happening in years ahead, even up into our day. And yet much of the trouble that we're dealing with in our world today, especially the Arab world, is a direct result of what's taken place here in Genesis chapter 16. The Arabs are going to figure heavily into God's plan, even for the end time events. I don't know exactly how God's going to use it, but God's going to use those, uh, those things that are taking place even today. You see, nothing, even our sins, will catch God by surprise. And God can take the worst of our failures and He can use them for His glory. Now, that's not an excuse for evil. That's not an excuse to say, well, God's going to work this all out anyway. I'll just go ahead and do what I want. I'll just go ahead and sin. But you know what? It's a reason 
to get up and go on after we do fall. And so when sin is committed in our lives, we do not run from it. Rather, rather we need to run to the Lord and find the cleansing and the forgiveness that He offers through grace. And I believe even in this brief time we've talked about this this afternoon, so many areas of our lives have been addressed that I'd be surprised if there was a single person in this room has not been spoken to directly. While we live in, in this world, there's going to be sin. And there's going to be times when we react badly to the trials and the problems of life. But listen, those sins and those bad reactions do not have to be a mark upon our lives. There is a place where we can go to find help and forgiveness and restoration that we desperately need. So I trust that even as we've quickly looked at Genesis chapter 16, we've seen here that maybe the text here has spoken to an area in your life. And so I encourage you to take it to the Lord and let Him have His way in your life. Let's bow in prayer. Our Father in heaven, I thank you again for your word. I thank you that uh, you have things in control and many times more often than not and more times than we'd like to admit we make bad decisions and we uh, things come into our life that are problems and difficulties and we react the wrong way and we let uh, those things control us rather than taking it to you and letting the Spirit of God be the control in our lives. Lord, I pray that even uh, by this uh, passage, which is familiar to us in the sense of knowing that uh, Abram, Abram and Sarai tried to do things their own way, that, Lord, you have, can work things out for your honor and for your glory. Lord, we pray that we'll be faithful to serve you. Lord, we pray that we'll be faithful to be in your word, to desire to grow and to, to just to know your word in a greater way. Thank you for the opportunity we've had today to spend in, in the word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.